Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen.
and from the heart begin to speak out the words that Isaiah spoke in verse 6. Here am I, send me. Not just speak mindlessly out of uh, a heart bent on pleasing self, but to live in such closeness and fellowship with God and enjoy such personal communion with Him that we're not able to hold the words back. Here am I, Lord, send me. That living for God and serving God and being pleasing to God means so much to us that asking God to use us to accomplish His will comes natural. You ever wondered about the circumstances surrounding Isaiah when he spoke these words? What was it about the seraphs? What the seraphs were saying? And where was the vision taking place that made Isaiah so eager to have God commission him to go? You know, in these 13 verses we read, Isaiah probably went through every emotion there was. You know, it starts out, Isaiah's in awe as he sees his vision, and then he becomes filled with fear at the realization that he had no business being there. Only to turn around in the next few verses and cry out to God, Okay, God, commission me, send me. Here I am, send me. What brought him here? What made him willing to go? Well, maybe if we can get an understanding of where Isaiah came from, we can understand why he was willing to go. And then understanding why Isaiah was so zealous for God, maybe we can get a better understanding of just where it is that you and I need to be. So where did Isaiah come from? And what circumstances brought him to receive this vision from God. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says this, Isaiah was the son of Amos. He lived in Jerusalem, became a court preacher. He was married and had two sons. He was probably born in Jerusalem of a family that was related to the royal house of Uzziah. He was probably Uzziah's cousin. And he spent his early years as an official for King Uzziah. Unger's Bible Dictionary says this, Isaiah prophesied under the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in which time he called for repentance without success, and consequently had to announce judgment and the banishment of Israel. Isaiah had been around royalty all his life. said, believed that he was a cousin of King Uzziah. He grew up in Jerusalem, grew up around the temple, so he wasn't any stranger to royalty or religion. There's some books that he was credited to have written, but they were destroyed. Books about the lives of King Uzziah and King Hezekiah. His Bible dictionary tells us both of these biographies have been lost together with the annals of Judah and Israel into which they had been inserted. So books that he had written have been lost. Books that he had been credited to him have been lost. 
And they all obviously wrote one book in the Bible. He was a writer. He was celebrated as being the greatest writer in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. People compared him to Paul yeah. in his writings. High praise for either one of them. And that's just a, a, a little brief timeline on the beginnings of, uh, of Isaiah. But we can see that Isaiah had a mind for the things of God. Here's the thing, how can we expect to receive anything from God if we don't have a mind for God? Amen. Amen. And we, are, we allow our minds to focus on work, we allow our minds to focus on family, we allow our minds to get carried away by worldly entertainment. But how often do we allow our minds just to rest and focus on God? Amen. Worldly pressures, building business pressures, financial yes. pressures. Yes. All that stuff crowds out the Savior. That's right. But Isaiah had a mind for the things of God, and, and there with a willing heart and an open mind, he got a vision from God. King Uzziah died around 739, 740 B.C. 2 Chronicles 26.4-5 says this, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Who? King Uzziah. Yes. He was a good king. But his death signaled the end of a good era in the history of Israel. Because as good as Uzziah's reign would be remembered as, He'd eventually be replaced by his grandson, Ahaz. Mm. And he was wicked and vile yeah. against the God of Israel yeah. as Uzziah had been for him. Yeah. So here's, here's the death of the good king's reign, God summons a prophet. Times were about to get rough. Perilous, Come on, that's right. Yes, it is. Times are about to get rough. Things in the palace are about to change, and God needs somebody he can depend on to withstand the fiery trials and that are looming on the horizon. So there in prayer and deep concern for Israel, God calls Isaiah. taken by a vision to see the Lord sitting on a throne in the temple. And he begins to describe the things and sights and sounds that he witnessed that day. And he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Amen. The train of his robe filled the temple. You know, back in Isaiah's time, a long flowing train was a signal of royalty and dignity. Yes. It was amazing then. God uses images and he uses symbols that were common in Isaiah's day. 
you know, God didn't reveal himself to Isaiah in a way that he would have had a hard time understanding. He knew when he saw that flowing train yes. what he was looking at yes. and what it meant. That he was in the pregnant presence of royalty and the presence of dignity. And, and then he begins to try and describe the seraphim. You know, how can a person describe something so amazing and breathtaking? I don't know. But here's what he said. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings. And with twenty he covered his face, and with twenty he covered his feet, and with twenty he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Hallelujah. What a vision. What a, yes. what a, what a sight that Isaiah was seeing in that place. Yes. Strong's concordance says that the word seraphim means to burn with fire. Mm. And fire is a symbol of purity. Yes. And so, if you notice as you're reading that the seraphim formed two choirs, there was seraphim on each side, and one of them would cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the other one would cry back the same thing back to him, yeah. just repeating. You know, the, those seraphim there knew they were in the presence of God, and there isn't any room for pomp. Amen. There isn't any room for pride. And, and they realize they're in the presence of the great God in the universe, and what they have to do, they have to sing His praise. Yes. Hallelujah. And that's what we need to do. We need yes. to be singing His praise. We need Glory. to come to God bearing our own yes. praise before Him and lifting Him up because He's part of the Yes. Don't ever think that you're worthy of something Ooh, from God. Lord, that's true. Yes, amen. Word of God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yes. It doesn't matter how good I am or, or what what I do for the kingdom of God and yes. what I do to try to accomplish what God wants me to do. That's right. Doesn't matter what it is. What yes. it is. The best that I can do is not good. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, right yes. there. He sees the blood of His yes. Son. Yes. And that's what makes me righteous. Yes. Right. Hallelujah. God is jealous God. He had access <coughs> The only way that I can ever hope to stand before Him was to stand there and all Isaiah stood there and all before Him. With our mouth open, with our eyes not believing Him. God would take time for someone like me. So those are the thoughts that went through Isaiah's mind. Well, here it is, verse 5. Isaiah says, Then said I, woe is me. Yeah. For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. No doubt Isaiah had been sitting there with his Knees quivering, listening to the seraphim sing the courses one to the other, and each time that they sang, the doorpost of the temple shook. Have you ever been somewhere where the music was so loud that you could feel it vibrate your entire being? That's what it's like in the presence of God. When the angels cry and they sing the praises of God, 
moon, you saw very big. So he's there, the door shaped, and God's sitting on the throne with his long train and a room filled with smoke. That's the end of the thing. That's it. Go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 through 17. It says, This house in the spirit on the horse day heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what I see is write in the book and send it to the seven churches which were in Asia, the Ephesus, and Smyrna, and Pergamos, and Thyatira, and Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girded out the paths with a golden girl. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet and his death. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Did John receive a vision? Yes. Yes, he did. Very similar to Isaiah's, wasn't it? Yes. But what stands out in the whole thing to me is verse 17, the first part of it. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John, when describing himself in his gospel, calls himself the disciple whom the Lord loved. When they were in the upper room at the Last Supper, John was laying there with his head on Jesus' chest. So close he could hear his heartbeat. And here he is, he's seeing him, and he's standing there, and he falls down as dead before him. You'd think that John would know. Yes. I think anybody would have been able to stand in Jesus' presence, it would have been John. But he couldn't. So who are we? Just who do we think we are to think that we'll be able to stand before God on that day and treat Jesus like we're best friends? You gotta understand that's how we choose to live our life is going to play a great part in how we come before God. Amen. John had lived out his entire adult life in service for Jesus. Went through torture and banishment. But when he came face to face with the Lord about Jesus, he came and fell down with his feet as dead. So here's Isaiah. He's been raised around religion and around royalty all his life. Been already acting the part of a spiritual counselor. He'd written books. But when he was taken by the vision in the temple, 
saw that throne and saw the one sitting on the throne having that long flowing train and seeing the seraphim and hearing them sing and feeling the door shake as Isaiah automatically knew in itself. He didn't have any business being where he was. Mm-hmm. He just naturally sent him to sit down to die. Today we think that we've got God on the buddy system. We've attempted to make God our own personal slave. Okay, God, do this. Do this. We treat God like Santa Claus. Yeah. We come to him and we give him our, our wish list of things that we want, and then we go off on our merry way and expect him to do those things. Yes. And here are two of the greatest prophetic men that ever lived. In the presence of God, are afraid they're going to die. You know, Isaiah stood there and he said that I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm living among a people of, of unclean lips. You know, the seraphim heard him, and he goes and he picks up a coal off the altar. It says this in Isaiah 6, 7. Behold, this is touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. That coal originally came from the altar of sacrifice that yes. God yes. sent this fire down on. The altar of burnt offerings. That fire was ignited by God with a flame from the heavens. And, and when the coal touched Isaiah's lips, his iniquity was taken away. The sin was purged. Isaiah had his own personal day of atonement with the Lord. Yes. <coughs> and those words taken away allude to the practice of laying their hands on the head of the scapegoat and transferring the sins of Israel to to that goat and taking that goat and setting it out in the wilderness to go away never be seen again. When that colt touched out of his lips the sins were taken away. But the seraph doesn't stop there. He goes on and uses the word purge. Hebrew word for purge means covered. Same word that's translated atonement. You see that coal off the altar prepared Isaiah to do the work of God. And so it is. Before you and I could ever hope. If we get in the street of the Lord, we got to get ourselves right. Amen. We have to have our own personal day of atonement. There's going to be a time in the history of our lives where our iniquity is taken away. Yes. Amen. Where our sins are purged. There isn't any other way for us to work in the army of God. We have no better hope than that that's in Jesus Christ. That's right. <clears throat> So Isaiah has been taking some steps in his vision. Realized he was a man of unclean lips, dwelt in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
confessed his faults, recognized his shortcoming. In plain words, I was able to say, I'm in serious trouble for that not longer. I'm completely unworthy to have this vision. If you will work for God, see soul safe, see hearts change, and lives transformed by His mercy and grace, then we got to first be willing to realize that we're unworthy. Amen. In and of ourselves, we're nothing. In and of ourselves, we can't do anything. But when we take time to realize it and confess it, then we become useful for God. How do you think Isaiah, how far do you think Isaiah would have got if he had entered the, the throne room there with a whole own attitude? Mm-hmm. And that's the way we come to church. Come on, come on, yes. now you're talking. Yes. If, if I like the songs that they're singing, I might worship, I might live. Come on. I might sing. Ooh, nothing. I might curse the Lord. Try to move. Oh, first of all, I might listen to the preaching. Mm-hmm. Depends. Mm-hmm. That's it. Come on. Who really want to be taken into the divine presence of God? We've got to be willing to confess our sins and realize our shortcomings. Yes. And allow God to speak to us. Yes. So he realized he wasn't worthy, but then he had to have his iniquity taken away, his sin burden. Once God becomes real to us, then we can understand and we can see things. We have to take the steps to ensure that we experience a life altering event like the one Isaiah experienced. Only it's not going to be a coal off the altar to cleanse us all. It's going to be the blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Amen. On that cross, he became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Amen. And then we've got to understand that Isaiah was willing to do whatever he needed to do. Here I am, Lord, send me. Had a sin taken away, had a sin purged. She heard God ask the question. Whom shall I send and who will go? And Isaiah is so caught up in the moment and in the presence of God and having his sin washed away. Yes. Here I am, Lord, send me. Amen. Yes. He didn't wait for God to answer his own question. He put himself out there. Yes. You know, he didn't put himself down because he felt so unworthy. He looked at the throne. Here I am, send me. Yes. Let me do it, God. A volunteer for service. How active and far-reaching would the church be if every person that calls the body of Christ their home would say, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen. 
Lord, let me be a witness to those that I come in contact to. Let me talk to the ones that I meet every day, Lord. A Christian is saved to serve, not to be idle. That's right. Amen. If you're a Christian here this morning, are you serving or are you idle? Mm. Health can't be an issue. Feelings of inadequacy cannot be an issue. Age can't be an issue. Financial status, marital status, work status, these can't be used as excuses for why you're not doing what God has called you to do. Amen. It's time we stop investing our time in the reasons that we can't serve God. Right. And do the things that God has called us to. And start investing our time finding ways that we can. Yeah. Good intentions won't save all souls. Yeah. Now just in, in case you think Isaiah agreed to some cushy assignment on the Sunfield shoreline, listen to what God says. Right after Isaiah said, Lord, send me Verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6. And he said, Go and tell this people. Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Notice everything that Isaiah agrees to fulfill is completely opposite of the majestic throne. And when the throne room and, and, and before which he's standing, he'd just been given, be given the responsibility to go and preach salvation to a nation that ain't going here. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything more aggravating to someone that desires to see souls saved than to know that the people that they've been called to preach salvation to don't want here. That's right. They refuse to listen. Yes. You need to picture this. Isaiah is all excited because he's getting ready to work for God and he hears that question, who will go? And Isaiah says, here my Lord, send me. God says, okay, I want you to go back to Israel, preach your heart out, and I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to hear you. That's right. Verse 11. How long am I going to preach them? How long is it going to be, Lord? Isaiah discovered there that what God wants you and I discovered today, that service for the king probably going to end with a beautiful fancy hotels. And high rises with your own personal name that you're going to be expected to get down into the everyday with the people that you're in contact with. That might just entail pouring your heart out to a bunch of people that have no intention whatsoever to listen to a word that you're saying. But what does God want? He wants you and I to be willing to go. If Jesus was willing to endure the cross, then I can endure a little bit of suffering here. 
tradition says that he died under the reign of Manasseh, who is Solomon. Who knows that? Stephen did a law. Solomon did too. Are you willing to leave the success of the mission in his hand and just make yourself available? If for no other reason than the mere fact that Jesus died to save you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this, this glimpse into the life of Isaiah this morning. We're grateful that we can serve you today and that your Holy Spirit will afford us the strength to follow your commands. Help us be willing to answer your call and be of service to you, Lord. Let us see our need for the blood of Jesus covering our lives and let us share with others your great love. We ask you, Father, that you bless the food that we're about to receive in fact that's been prepared for us today, that you bless the hands and prepare to God, that you take sickness from our midst and help us to be witnesses of your goodness as we go forth from this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here am I. Send me. Send me. What an awesome thing. To be willing to go and follow the leading of the Spirit of the Spirit of God to go and do those things that He's called us to. Pastor Appreciation Day for us here at Faith Fellowship Church. Amen. We celebrate our wonderful pastors today. Amen. Pastor and Pastor Ed, we honor you guys. We thank you for your example. We love and appreciate yes. all that you do for the kingdom of God and for this body of believers in our Amen. 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 I personally am sure everyone here today is glad that you even called. The Lord said, Who will I send? You said, Here I am. Send me. We love and appreciate you. Everyone, please stay around. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.